In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I am solo dolo. I know I promised Leaf Chuling, but I'm solo dolo, and I'm going to drop off my latest updated mock draft. I have some surprises for you, so find out who is the biggest riser and the biggest faller on my latest mock. Stay tuned. Big shout out, big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBADraftJunkies.com. I got some good articles on NBA Big Board. Had an article yesterday that was written by my, my guy, Chris Kesey. He talked about the Atlanta Hawks and their need for shooting, which I think I'm going to help them address that. Also had an article on the Houston Rockets about what they should do and possibly trade up for Scoop. And I'll have my opinion on that in a second. And then on NBA Draft Junkies, got my guy Erison Demar, who wrote a good article about Eli Njai, a prospect from Spain, played for Real Madrid, started in the Final Four at, at a very young age. And then he's written some, some pretty cool articles on some of the top international prospects. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You know about FanDuel. It's the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNBA to get started. All right, let's just get right into this mock draft that I just, I just did this morning. I went totally off my gut feeling. I mean, on one hand, I've done the research. I mean, I've been doing it on this draft class since August. And this one, I'm just going with my gut feeling. All right, number one, no surprise here, San Antonio Spurs. You go ahead and print the Wimbayama jerseys out. I don't even know if they should even interview any of the prospects, but I got the San Antonio Spurs. Me and everybody else have the San Antonio Spurs selecting Victor Wimbayama. All right, this is where the draft gets tricky. And number two, I have the Charlotte Hornets going with Brandon Miller. The reason I'm going with Miller is I think that he provides the positional size and versatility that Charlotte needs. I, I do think Scoot and LaMelo can coexist on the court, but are both players willing to scale down their role and share the ball? I have my doubts about that, and it's not a knock on, on either one, but you know, you're talking about two guys that everyone has said, oh, you, you're the best this, you're the best that, and, and you're asking both to play a reduced role at a young age, and I just kind of have my doubts about that. But I think Brandon Miller fits alongside Scoot. He provides shooting. He should be able to play multiple positions, and I've mentioned it time in and time out. I think Brandon Miller has more to his game than he was able to show. All right, at number three, I have the Portland Trailblazers. And Portland's going to select Scoot Henderson, not the ideal situation or spot for Henderson. And this is a pick that Portland could end up moving. I think Orlando could possibly look to, you know, maybe swap six and 11 and throw in a player for, for number three. Orlando has quite a few point guards on their roster, but I don't think any of them are Scoot. It, it puts the Blazers in an interesting dilemma here, and especially Scoot. You know, I kind of feel bad from there. But if I'm Houston, I'm looking to possibly trade up to get uh, Scoot Henderson. But at number four, this is a big surprise here going to catch people off guard with the Houston Rockets I believe and this is just my opinion I believe James Harden is going to end up in Houston if James Harden ends up in Houston 
which I think is going to happen. That's going to influence my pick here. I'm going with Cam Whitmore. Cam Whitmore fits alongside Jalen Green, fits alongside Al Prince-Shingun and Jabari Smith. So if Houston goes with James Harden, which I think they're going to do, and that's why Cam Whitmore moves up to number four. That is the biggest riser so far. At number five, it's just an absolutely horrible fit. But Amin Thompson goes to Detroit. Now Detroit has, I mean, they, they got talent. They have the athleticism that, that they wanted to upgrade a few years back. But now they just got to figure out a way to make Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, and Amin Thompson work. And that would be up to, up to the coach there, which they don't even have a coach right now. But yep, Amin Thompson falls to number five. And it's a spot above his brother, Asur Thompson, who I have going number six to Orlando. That's not the ideal fit for him either. Orlando's in the position of they need outside shooting, and Asur does not fill that role. But he's just too good to pass up. And also, I think Orlando's going to eventually end up consolidating some of their young talent and, and their picks. But I have Asur going to Orlando at number six. At number seven... I have what I think is an absolutely great fit. I have Jairus Walker going to the Indiana Pacers at seven. There are some rumors that Indiana is looking to move up because they like Brandon Miller. Indiana also has three picks, and they may want to move Buddy Hield or whatever. So there's a possibility that happens there in real life. But in my mock draft, I have them selecting Jairus Walker. I think Walker would be a good fit. Indiana needs to upgrade the forward position. Walker rebounds, defends, and he is a really good passer, a better passer than he was able to show at Houston. And that gives the, the, the Pacers multiple playmakers in the front court and the back court, a guy that you can give the ball to in the middle of the floor when you trap Halliburton and he can make plays. So I like the fit right there of Jairus Walker to the Indiana Pacers at numero seven. All right, at number eight, I have the Washington Wizards selecting Casey Wallace. And it's not a knock on the guards that the Wizards have now, but DeLon Wright and Monte Morris just aren't going to get it done. I think Casey Wallace has a bigger upside. I think he'll help improve the team defensively. I think he can play on or off the ball. He can compliment Bradley Bill. And I'm giving him the Kentucky bump. Kentucky guards, said it time and time again, Kentucky guards usually outplay their draft position. I think people are going to realize, like, you know, we made the mistake with Maxie. We're not going to do it again. So Casey Wallace at number eight to the Washington Wizards. All right, at number nine, I have the Utah Jazz, who I think are in need of a point guard. Utah would have some options here that they can choose from, but I have them selecting Anthony Black, 6'7 point guard. There are some people that don't think Anthony Black is a point guard. I think he is more so of like a secondary, but I think Black is best with the ball in his hands, and we saw that at Arkansas. I felt like him and Nick Smith didn't have the best on-court chemistry, which, you know, a lot of that had to do with Nick Smith being in and out of the lineup. But I think Anthony Black, as a six, seven point guard, he's a, a guy that I think is going to look better in the NBA, especially with NBA spacing and the pick and roll. I mean, he's a good pick and pop partner for Laurie Markinen. He's a good defender. The shot is a concern, but Utah has the timetable, at least in my opinion, the timetable to be able to let him develop into a better shooter. All right, at number 10, this is something I've been saying for a while, and I, I have the Dallas Mavericks going with Derek Lively, and I know people are going to say, oh, why would you take Lively at 10? You can trade back to get him. Lively helps the Mavs right now. I think Dallas is in a, a situation where they, they want to win now. It's like this internal timeline of trying to be good, 
And I, I look at some of the other guys that are behind. I think that, you know, behind or the other guys that are available, I think Lively can make the most immediate impact for Dallas at number 10. He gives Luka Doncic a vertical lob threat, a rim protector, a rebounder, and po the potential to be a floor spacer. I don't see that happening right away, but he's exactly what, what Dallas needs. I, I can't see Dallas running Dwight Powell and JaVale McGee out there again. They're going to lose Christian Wood more than likely. They need to add some front court help, and I think Derek Lively immediately gives them the rim protector and the vertical lob threat that they need, that they thought they were going to get out of JaVale McGee. And for whatever reasons, JaVale McGee just seemed to be in Jason Kidd's doghouse. All right. At number 11, Orlando addresses their need for shooting. I have them selecting Grady Dick. Orlando could also look at Jordan Hawkins here, but I think they'll go with Grady Dick. He has the positional size. Think about Grady Dick. You, you, you really have to worry about your words after you say his last name because you don't want to end up becoming like a meme or something like that. So I'm trying to choose my words carefully when I describe Grady Dick. But Grady Dick has the NBA positional size that teams are looking for in a wing, and he is the sniper. So I have Orlando addressing their need for shooting at number 11, but I also think Orlando could make some trades to consolidate their picks. At number 12, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder reaching. Well, not necessarily a reach, but I have them selecting another Frenchman, Bilal Koulibaly, who is on the rise. I have him in my lottery. He is, I mean, his trajectory over the last 18 months have been tremendous. He had a big game in the finals um, yesterday. I think he had like 15 points in a, in a playoff game against grown men. So I have the Thunder selecting Bilal Koulibaly. They could also have some other options there. Maybe Taylor Hendricks and form like a Slim Towers with Taylor Hendricks and Chet Holmgren, but I have them selecting Bilal. At number 13, I have the Toronto Raptors going with Nick Smith. You're basically getting a guy that everybody thought was the number one player in college basketball coming into the season. Dealt with some right knee management issues and was just not healthy, was, was not 100% throughout the year. And then when he did play, he showed some flashes, but for the most part, he just didn't have the rhythm. And I think that in a redraft or if he, had a, if he were healthy, he would go higher. And I also feel like, and this is the crazy thing about it, Nick Smith actually hurt his draft stock by not shutting it down. I think if he would have shut it down back in, um, I don't know, let's say November, December, there may have been some concerns about how bad the injury was that may have hurt his draft stock, but I think playing and people, it's hard for people to unsee what they, what they saw. They saw him struggling at the rim and so on, and they saw that he just did not seem to, to mesh well with, with Arkansas's players that were in place, and it hurt his draft stock. But I think there's a team like Toronto that could look at what he did good during the season and also go back and remember how well he played and, and how well he looked at the McDonald's game and the Hoop Summit and choose them at number 13. And rounding out the lottery at number 14, I have the New Orleans Pelicans getting some insurance for Zion Williamson and Taylor Hendricks. Some people think Taylor could go as high as number six. A lot of people had him penciled in at number 10 to the Mavericks, but I have him going at number 14 to the Pelicans. You get rim protection, you get outside shooting, and you get a good complimentary piece to to the piece they already have, Brandon Ingram to CJ McCollum. Now, if you get a healthy Zion, I think you can play some small ball lineups with Zion at the five, Hendricks at the four, 
and I mean, you run a pick and roll like a Brandon Ingram. I hope I didn't say Brandon Miller a few minutes ago, but if you run a Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson pick and roll with Taylor Hendricks, Trey Murphy, and CJ McCollum, like pick your poison. All right, when we return, I'll go through the rest of the first round. I finished off at the lottery, but I want to talk to you about FanDuel because you can make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. So actually, it's the NBA Finals, which start tomorrow. Right now, if you're a new customer, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. Wow, it went up. It was $1,000. Now it's $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, there's no better place to bet on the NBA Finals than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. I may have to try that. $2,500 would look really, would look really good in my account. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA and Locked On. All right, big shout-out to each and every person that's made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And tomorrow I have a guest, I promise you won't have back-to-back days of Rafael Barlow spitting Rafael Barlow takes. I'll have a guest tomorrow. Let's get back to this mock draft. I, you know, I'm trying to, like, condense it into one episode. I can literally spend five minutes talking about each prospect off the top of my head. I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, I don't have any notes. This is just me just spitting this information off the top of my head. All right, at number 15, I have the Atlanta Hawks selecting Keontae George, Keontae falls right outside of the lottery. I think that there's a strong possibility that he could end up in the lottery on draft day. Had a strong pro day. He slimmed down. He he showed the bounce and the athleticism that he showed in high school that just wasn't really there this season at Baylor. He gives the Hawks an insurance upside as a shooter. Now, I know you may look at the stats and say, oh, well, Keontae George didn't shoot a high percentage from the field. But one thing about Keontae's numbers that I think that people are leaving out, and it's again, it's it's something that has not been talked about. You talk about the concerns, but Keontae George shot 47% on unguarded shots off the catch. You play with Trey Young, you play it DeJounte Murray, and I think he could be on the floor, either one of them at any time, and you give him open looks, he is going to knock down the open shots. Atlanta needs shooting. They could also go with Jordan Hawkins here, but I have them selecting Keontae George. At number 16, I have the Utah Jazz back on the clock, and I have Utah selecting Gigi Jackson. I know the the fans in Utah are big fans of Gigi. Utah has the the luxury of having multiple first-round picks and, I mean, just a ridiculous amount of draft assets, and they have the luxury of being able to swing for the fences and not have the pressure to try to win now, which I feel like a lot of teams have. Even like the teams at the top of the lottery are trying to win now. Gigi, in my opinion, is a top five to seven player in this class when it's all said and done. And I know there's some concerns about the efficiency, but we're talking about a guy that is 18 years old, barely is eligible for the draft. I think it was like a 14-day difference. If he was born two weeks later, he couldn't be in this draft. And he is someone that I think the Jazz have the timeline to develop talent wise i mean i've talked to like nba executives nobody questions Gigi's talent the biggest concern is the maturity and not necessarily like an off the court maturity thing 
because I mean everybody understands that he's 18. Like he's really supposed to be going to prom this week instead of preparing for the draft. But I think the concern is just the the um, the learning curve from being a professional. And and so I think Utah, if they take him at 16, you're getting a guy that would probably be a number one at, at the very minimum. I think he would be a top three pick in the 2024 draft if he stayed in his class. I think him and Jalen Duran would be like the success stories of guys that are that like um, reclassified up. And usually when you reclassify up, I think that it's a big gamble. I mean, look at Imani Bates. Duran had the, the body and the frame and the position and the scaled down role to where he was able to handle it. But Gigi showed all the flashes. But I, I do think it was a, a, a big, huge jump to go from a junior in high school to, like, the focal point of a team in the SEC. A bad team, but the focal point of a team in the SEC. All right, at number 17, I have the Lakers addressing their need for, you know, additional shooting in the wing players and Jet Howard. Jet is someone that, you know, he has a relationship where his dad has a relationship with LeBron. I think they were teammates on Miami, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe their time overlapped, but... Juwan worked in the Heat organization, and I think that Jet has the tools to be a really good NBA player. I do have some concerns about his lack of rebounding and defense, but with his size and his ability to shoot and create on his own, shows flashes of being able to generate some offense on his own, I think he would be a good fit for the Lakers at number 17. At number 18, I got the biggest riser, a guy that I didn't even have in my top 60 a few weeks back. Omax, Olivier Max since Prosper. I have him going to the Miami Heat at number 18, and he is like the epitome of a Miami Heat guy. He's 6'8, he defends, he's like this, this blue collar, late bloomer. I mean, he went to Clemson at first, and even at Marquette, he just, I, I didn't even think he was the best player at Marquette. I thought also Igadaro was their best player, but. Omax has had a tremendous spring. I mean, he really helped himself at the Combine. He had a great pro day. I've been hearing that he is someone that can go higher than where I have him at 18. I've heard nothing but great things. And even when I talk to, like, different teams about him, the first thing they talk about is not, like, his athleticism and his physical tools and how well he's played. Everybody's just blown away by, like, his personality and how well he's interviewed and and his upside, and then the, the improved shooting. So I have the Miami Heat selecting Omax. You know he went to Marquette. Jimmy Butler went to Marquette. I think that, that that's a strong possibility there. All right, at number 19, I have the Golden State Warriors selecting Jalen Hood Shafino, and Shafino could definitely go higher than 19. He would give the Warriors a big point guard, a playmaker, a guy that likes to attack, drop coverage. The Warriors are in a weird situation here. In a really weird situation, Bob Myers is leaving. They are like, I can't see them like trying to go to a rebuild. I imagine that they're going to try to, again, compete for a title next year. And I don't know what's going to happen with the Warriors. I think it's, I think it's the first domino has dropped with Bob Myers, and now we have to find out what happens with Draymond Green. But I think Jalen Hutchinson could be someone that provide some backup minutes at the point. He has the size, allows Steph to play some off the ball. And I think Hushafino could be the point guard of the future, even though Steph looks like he has plenty of time left. 
And number 20, I have the Houston Rockets selecting Jordan Hawkins. And Hawkins could actually go as high as number 11. You can make a case and say he is the best shooter in this draft. Definitely the best movement shooter. And he gives the Rockets, in my opinion, especially if they bring back Harden, another shooter and wing player that can space the floor for Jalen Green and James Harden. You give Harden shooters. He's at his best, and you give Jalen Green floor spacing. So with my draft, the way it has worked out, the Houston Rockets have added a you know phenomenal athlete in Cam Whitmore who has the upside of a shooter. I think he shot like 40% on catch-and-shoot jumpers. And then you got arguably the best shooter in the class, second best, second best, whatever, one of the best shooters in the class in, in Jordan Hawkins. And I think Houston... If, if they make the moves that I think that they're going to make, could be a team that goes from, like, the worst record or one of the worst records in the NBA to possibly a play-in. All right, at number 21, I have the Brooklyn Nets who have back-to-back picks. I have the Brooklyn Nets selecting Leonard Miller. Now, Leonard Miller is another guy that could go significantly higher than where I have him. I've heard some people talk about Leonard Miller in the lottery. Very unique prospect, 6'10", rebounds, and had a phenomenal second half of the season. And prior to this season, Leonard Miller played like a point forward. And if, if you're the Nets and you believe in your developmental program, you, you, you'll be able to maximize what he did with the Ignite, which was rebound, finish, and show some flashes of uh, being a playmaker. Then you, you add on you know the playmaking, the point forward skills he showed prior. And if he improves the shooting, if you select him at 21 and he puts it all together, he would definitely outperform his draft position. All right. When we return, I'll finish out 22 through 30 and find out who the Brooklyn Nets, who are back on the clock, selecting at number 22. Stay tuned. All right. Back on the clock is the Brooklyn Nets, and I have Kobe Bufkin. Bufkin has just fluctuated up and down my timeline. I think my last mock, I had him in the lottery. Now I got him falling to 22. It's just so fluid. I mean, this won't be my last mock before the draft. Bufkin is a guy that really doesn't have any major glaring weaknesses. One of the best finishers at the rim. Shot 71% at the rim. He can shoot. He defends. He's young. He's younger than some of the freshmen in this class that I have going ahead of him. If Bufkin ends up in the lottery, I would not be surprised at all. But I have him going number 22. Gives the, the Nets some guard help and gives the Nets... A, a guard that can put pressure on the rim, get to a spot. And, you know, rim pressure is so important in today's NBA. If you can collapse the defense, it's just going to open up different open shots for your guys, and the Nets have shooters. So I have Kobe Bufkin going number 22. All right, at number 23 is the Portland Trailblazers back on the clock. And this addresses a, a major positional need. I have them selecting Noah Clowney. The Blazers need size and depth on the front court, and Clowney is a somewhat of a late bloomer, a guy that has really like boosted his stock over the last year or so. I mean, he wasn't like a McDonald's All-American. I don't even know if he was a five-star recruit, but here he is, a potential first-round pick. I think he's probably a lock to go in the first round. I did speak with somebody at the Combine about Clowney, and their exact words were, you're going to be surprised where he gets drafted. But he feels the need for Portland with size, athleticism, and I think there's there's promise there as a shooter. 
even though he only shot like 28% from three on a ridiculous amount of attempts. I want to say like 47% of his field goal attempts were threes. I don't know if that's going to be the case in Portland, but he is like the finisher and athletic big that Portland desperately needs. At 24, I have the Sacramento Kings selecting Derek Whitehead. Now, this could be a big steal. Whitehead was a guy that a lot of people thought was going to be a top five pick coming into the season. Had the foot injuries that slowed him down, and even in a reduced role, a role that I'm sure that wasn't what he expected and wasn't what he signed up for. He was one of the best shooters in the country, shot over 40% from three. The shot looked money. Now, if he can provide that same level of shooting on top of the ball handling and the passing and the playmaking that he showed in high school, then the Kings got a real steal at number 24. At number 25, and this may be a little bit too low, I have the Memphis Grizzlies selecting Max Lewis. Now, Memphis is interesting because, if I'm not mistaken, over the past few years, they have moved up in the draft. It might be like the last three years. So I can't see them staying pat at 25. I think they'll move up. But in the case that they don't, Maxwell Lewis would give the, the Grizzlies outside shooting, I think that he is ready to come in and contribute. And again, this might be too low for Max Lewis. I think he could possibly go anywhere from 14 to even like 25. I mean, this draft is very, very fluid. But I think that Max Lewis could come in. And the way the Grizzlies are looking, if, if Dylan Brooks is gone, their small forward spot could be open between Zaire Williams, maybe Jake LaRavia, um, maybe Roddy. Maxwell Lewis could come in and, and has the potential to be their starting small forward, possibly. All right, at number 26, I have the Indiana Pacers with their second pick. No, yeah, their second pick, selecting Ryan Rupert. Rupert is a 6'7 wing with a 7'2-inch wingspan. He's known for his defense, and he is someone that is kind of put into a box as like a 3 and D guy, but... Talking to him, he mentioned to me that that was the role that he played in Australia. In France, prior to turning professional, he played more like a, a one or a two. He said he had a, a late growth spurt, and but he, he retained the same skills that, you know, that he had when he was playing point guard. So Rupert could be like this Swiss Army knife type defensive ace that can make plays with the ball i mean the shooting is is the concern but i mean he the guy broke his wrist or his hand during the season missed a couple months i think that impacted his shooting percentage i've been in the gym with him quite a bit this this spring and i think he's a better shooter than the numbers indicate all right number 27 and this is someone that i mean this draft is so fluid but I have the Bryce, Bryce Sensabaugh going 27 to the Hornets. Again, he could go as high as 15, 14. But I have him falling to number 27. I wonder how the, the, the medicals are going to check out. He had a couple knee injuries prior to going to Ohio State. And I wonder how much that's going to impact him. But he is a versatile scorer that can score all over the floor. He can post up. He can shoot mid-range pull-ups. He shot 40% from three. He is a scorer, and if the draft goes the way I have it going, Charlotte added much-needed wing scoring with Bryce Sensible and Brandon Miller, and then that way they can see if they can find a trade partner to get off Gordon Hayward's massive contract. 
At number 28, I have the Utah Jazz selecting City Sissoko. And City is a 6'7 connective tissue. There are some similarities to Anthony Black. I did have someone reach out to me and say, what is the difference between City Sissoko and Anthony Black? And they felt like there weren't any differences. And City is, again, a 6'7 defender. I like the way City like turned a corner this year. And later on this season, it just became like an aggressive attacker. And he, it was like second in the G League in dunks for wings. And that's, that's a good sign. And I like his versatility. Him and Anthony Black together would be interesting because you have two six, seven wing like point forwards that can make the right play and defend. They have some concerns about their outside shooting, but it would give the Jazz some versatility. And at number 29, I have the Indiana Pacers adding some depth in the front court just in case they decide to move Miles Turner. It seems like Miles has been there forever. I mean, I don't, did Miles play with like Paul George? I mean, I think I think he did. But Miles Turner is actually young. They gave him that that weird contract extension where I want to say he got like seventeen million dollars added to his salary for last season. But I think that the Pacers could go just in a total total youth movement. Even though like Miles Turner is probably only like twenty five or twenty six years old, but I think they can go with a total youth movement, and James Najee would be a good center that could learn from Miles Turner, you know, for a few months or maybe even a year or so, and then end up being the starting center. He has a a defined NBA role as a defender, rim runner, vertical lob threat, and rebounder. All right, at number 30, wrapping up Raphael's latest mock draft, I have the Los Angeles Clippers selecting Chris Murray. Chris Murray is going to be 23 years old on opening day. He is someone that kind of fits the the win now mode that the Clippers are, I mean, they've been in for like the last four years. If they can just get everybody healthy, then I don't know. I mean, it just hasn't happened. But if they can get everybody healthy, I think they could be a real contender. But it just hasn't happened. And I don't even know how optimistic you can be about the Clippers being healthy in May, but Chris Murray would give them a you know a backup defender, a guy that can knock down open shots, and someone that again he's 23. But I don't look at that as necessarily a bad thing, especially for the Clippers. If he's 23 on opening day, signs a four-year deal, then you have him for until he's 27 years old. You're going to get a player that is ready to come in and contribute right away, that can contribute to winning, provide depth. You're getting that type of player on a rookie deal who will, by the time his rookie deal ends, will be at the start or in the middle or just somewhere around his prime. Very rarely do you get a guy in his prime on a rookie deal. And so I think that makes the most sense for the Los Angeles Clippers. Well, that wraps up this episode of my mock draft. I guess I call it my June mock draft even though it is may 31st when i am releasing it once again it's rafael barlow hope everybody has a great day like share comment on the youtube leave your comments your thoughts tell me you think i'm an idiot tell me you think i don't know what i'm doing i actually you know kind of embrace the feedback tell me what you like about this mock tell me what you would do different if you are listening on the podcast hit me up barlow b-a-r-l-o-w-e-5-0-0 on twitter whether it's a DM 
or on my timeline, tell me your thoughts on it. Again, you know, if you tell me I'm crazy, it's, it's okay. I mean, I've had some crazy things said about me recently. I guess that just comes with territory. And then if you're not subscribed to the NBA Big Board newsletter, please subscribe. I provide some intel there and um, just some great work with, with me and Chris Kesey. All right, once again, it's Rafael Barlow, and I am out.